We're back. Morning. Uh, <laughs> that's a great start, isn't it? So, uh, morning, everybody. I hope everyone's ready for a champion uh, week. And today we're talking about the fight back. Uh, what are we doing to get back to, to where we were? Uh, there's sort of a bit of a cause for reflection, really. And I think one of the one of the challenges is, is that as we've been through this process, you can look back on other parts of the process and sort of think, oh, I could have done that better. I could have done this better. I could have done that better. And uh, I, I sort of had one of those moments this weekend because uh, I, I watched two things on TV uh, that I thought were sort of relevant. And I know sometimes people will look back and go, well, this soundtrack or this, this album changed uh, my life. Uh, I don't really have anything uh, like that. Uh, but, but often what I do is I, I watch movies and then I sort of think about just subconsciously the parallels that come with that. So the, the two things that, uh, that, that, that come to mind. First of all, I watched The Greatest Showman this weekend and uh, it's one of my favorite movies. Uh, and the reason I love it is because it's about ambition. Uh, it's about doing new things. And it's about trying to succeed in a, uh, in a challenging uh, situation. But more importantly, it's also about balancing uh, ambition with sort of looking after the other parts of your life as well. And it was a reminder, really, just to sort of, whilst business has been really tough in the last few weeks, to sort of try and recognize some of the good things about what you've got uh, outside of outside of work. So that was really impactful. And I love the soundtrack. And I always listen to it when I'm when I'm sitting in the office. So that's, uh, that, that's the first thing. The second thing is that is that we I was watching David Brent's Afterlife. Now it was recommended to me by by someone. And broadly speaking, outside of the office, I find Ricky Gervais pretty nauseous uh, as, a, as, as an individual. I sort of think, like, in some ways, his my perception was his style hadn't really moved on since The Office. Uh, but if you haven't watched it, The Afterlife is amazing. Uh, and what was what was really uh, really powerful about it? It was about a man whose wife dies, and just basically the, the long and the short of it is how he's beating himself up uh, through what he tells himself every day, and as a result of that takes it out on other people that he that he meets. Now, I'm not taking it out on other people that, that, I, that I meet, but I know I've been guilty over the last sort of few months of beating myself up about why I wasn't better prepared for something like COVID, why I wasn't in a different space, why, 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 why. Uh, and it, what was really powerful about it is it sort of, it comes to the end of it and you're sort of thinking, you know what, I need to probably just feed my brain uh, better self-talk. And I've been fighting it. It's not like I've been accepting it, but it's about being really conscious in, in telling yourself a good narrative. For those of you that have seen or read Paul McGee's Sumo, it's called Shut Up and Move On. And it's about the records that you play in your head are the records that you tend to believe. Uh, that's why social media has potential to be so impactful is that it shows you more of what you like. So it effectively replays the same records uh, in, your, in your head. And so uh, I've been sort of playing a record in my head, which is it's OK not to sell. 
it's okay not to be selling. And it's not a very productive record. Uh, and, and it's not very productive for a number of reasons is that like many other businesses, whilst we haven't necessarily been selling, uh, we've still been spending money. Uh, and and I guess it was it was sort of the, the moment to me was at the end of the series, like, you know, what, I've just got to accept, stop accepting that that, that we're not going to be selling training. Uh, and I've got leads and, I'm, and, I've, and people and we've sold some things over the last uh, few months. But really, I think the message today is about the fact that we've got to stop accepting the fact that nobody is hiring. Uh, we may well be in a sector that people aren't recruiting very much. So if they're not recruiting very much, we need to know more people to find enough people uh, that are recruiting. If we're in a, a sector like hospitality, it could be there is no recruitment, in which case that, that's not going to change probably for, I mean, that may not change for the rest of the year. Uh, we need to make a decision is, are we going to find a new niche? Are we going to, what are the, what are the markets that are accept, uh, attached to that where there is recruitment? So you've got hospitality, but you look at the people that provide hospitality. So bookers, uh, Sodex, so, you know, they're really busy uh, because of all the work that, that they're doing. Uh, food manufacturing is different. So the work's still there. It's just moved uh, to a different, a different part of the world. And so uh, I guess my message to, to everyone today is what is your plan to fight back? What is your plan to, uh, to make it work? Because accepting the fact that you're not going to make many placements, accepting the fact that uh, you're not going to make any money will will in the end result in you having no money uh, because the likelihood is you are still bleeding cash on a day in day out basis and so now is the time really for fight back uh, and, the, and and also it's like a lot of kids are going back to school today it feels like uh, a new normal has been reached and we've had lots of new normals but I think everyone sort of accepted the fact that actually we're sort of half out of lockdown uh, this is normal now for the next uh, few months. And, and businesses have had that chance to work out what they're doing. Uh, they know whether they're going to be making redundancies. So they definitely will by the 10th of June because they're going to have to start making those decisions uh, soon. So, but it's about how do, we, uh, how do we benefit from that? So I'm just going to recap on some of the ideas and things that we should be, uh, should be doing. Uh, now, as normal, uh, what I'd encourage everybody to do is to uh, post in the comments below any questions you've got, any successes that you've got. Uh, the whole point of the recruiting gym is to uh, share successes and best practices in these morning stand-ups. So the first, the first, uh, the first uh, area that you've got to manage your fight back is a term called contact cadence. Contact cadence is what is the frequency with which you're engaging with your customer base? What is the contact cadence that you're engaging with your candidates that aren't active? What is your contact cadence with people that were active or are active in the market? What's your contact cadence with clients? I'm embarrassed to say uh, I've sort of given up like emailing the, the 3,000 people in my email list. I'm embarrassed to say that. It's not, I'm not proud of it. Uh, and for them, I've probably been invisible. That's not a great... Uh, feeling. I've got two or three other thousand people that I've been have been engaging with, but 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 now is the time to think. What is the contact cadence? How are we going to be engaging 
with the individuals in our network uh, on, a, on a weekly basis. Remind them that we're here. Remind them that we're recruiting, uh, we're able to recruit, and remind them that we're here to help them. So are you clear with some of the value add offerings that you can give to your clients? Salary benchmarking, skill set availability, uh, outsource uh, advisory work. So I know a few recruiters that watch this regularly have started their own career counseling uh, side, side niches uh, to offer outplacement services to their clients, CV writing advice, interview writing technique. Now, it may be they're only charging four or five hundred uh, quid a day, uh, but, but, but the reality is, is they're going out and offering uh, services to their clients. They're trying to help clients with whatever they're, they're doing. So first one is contact cadence. And part of that contact cadence is what advisory work can you do to make yourself irreplaceable for that client? Every time you do some skills benchmarking or you do some salary benchmarking, you build up some emotional credit in the mind of the client. So they are they're, they're, they're indebted to you at a, at a sort of mental level. Uh, what email marketing tools are you using? Uh, when you don't have many jobs to talk about, what is your contact cadence with those? If you think about the number of businesses where they just send you a newsletter, they might send you a blog, they might send you an article, they might curate articles, which means they use two or three other people's stuff. Uh, and what we've got to sort of, uh, what we've got to think about is, is how are we going to uh, enable them to uh, just remind them what we're here. So if you don't have one already, uh, think about what is your email uh, strategy to engage with clients. Most CRMs will sync with MailChimp. You've got tools like Coolia that, that we use to automate some more of that, that contact cycle. Uh, but you need to be thinking about staying uh, about staying visible. The, the next area that you've got to lead with your fight back is for every one of your existing clients, do you know the business critical skill sets that they recruit for uh, on a on a on a daily or, or weekly or monthly basis. Now, business critical skill set is if this person left, I would still need to recruit them. Uh, that that that's the key. That's that's the key, right? Uh, if this person left, I would have to recruit them. And the reason is is then then you can track the skill sets that are in demand in your market to know whether those people may or may not be leaving. The next part of your fight back with your clients is is thinking about fee eligibility. Uh, with every one of your clients, do you know what skill set they are willing to pay a fee for? So if you look at the range of skill sets that you've got, you need to accept, accept that many of your clients will not pay skill sets, will not pay fees for skill sets that they could find themselves. That's not, they're not gonna, they're not gonna do that. Uh, and and so what what we need to be uh, what we need to be doing is really thinking about uh, really thinking about what skill sets will people be willing to pay fees for on an ongoing basis because right, we need to know those right uh, if we don't know those we're sitting there waiting for a job a job is not going to help us it's not going to help you. What's going to help you is knowing when you get a candidate with a certain skill set, you've got four or five people that are interested. Uh, 
Now, if someone does contact you with a skill set that's really easy to recruit, fine. They, they obviously don't want to they want to pay a fee for something they could find themselves. That's totally fine. But mentally, you cannot build your business off recruiting for skill sets that clients can find easily for themselves. It's just it's not going to it's not going to work. Uh, and, and and the reason being is that if a company has an internal recruitment team and they're not recruiting very often, they are going to be working harder than ever. Sometimes for readily available skill sets, you'll still get business from internal recruitment teams is because they've got 40, 50 jobs they're handling at a time. If their companies are hiring less, they know their career and their job depends on recruiting for those roles. So they're going to have more capacity to put more proactive work in. Do you know the skills and niches within your market that, that people uh, will absolutely have to uh, have to have to recruit? Uh, and that's the uh, and that's what's really, really, really important is that we are what we're trying. What we're trying to do is make sure that we, we, we know where the market is. Another aspect of what we thought about is many, many recruiters. I think I heard a statistic uh, that uh, I think I heard a, a statistic that something like 85 percent of perm recruiters are uh, are furloughed. Now. Some of those will come back. A lot of them will come back. But if you're working in a business that doesn't do any contract, uh, you might want to look at that. Uh, Russell Monday is going to be doing a course on how to build a contract uh, recruitment desk. And we need, we, we need to be broadening our service offering. Uh, a lot of companies will be looking at contractors or be open to contractors whilst they're unsure of where the market is. Remember, a lot of candidates are going to be reluctant to leave permanent work if they think the company they're moving to is uncertain. So it's not just about the client deciding whether they want to recruit perm. It's about the fact that can they acquire the quality of the candidate that they want on a permanent basis? Imagine you've got a company that's still retail and hospitality. They're fighting the good fight. Uh, they're working to make it work. But there are downward trajectory. Is anyone going to leave a permanent job in order to to go and work for them? That's what we've got to be. Uh, that's what we've got to be thinking about. Contract services businesses may be going through challenges. You know, so 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 we've got to be uh, we've got to be thinking broadly about the service that we're offering. 